think for such a long time, audit has been viewed as something that people have to do. Whereas Rachel in Tutu Land is appearing, talking about the value proposition and actually how business owners who have scaled rapidly need audits for more than just compliance. And it's much more about financial strategy, identifying risk. How can you get your money's worth out of this audit? Like audits aren't cheap if you're going to have to pay this amount of money to get an audit done. What outcome and what deliverables can you get over and above the audit? You're listening to the Bookkeepers Podcast, sponsored by Zero. I use Zero's accounting and bookkeeping software to manage my clients' accounts, and I love it. If you haven't tried it yet, head over to zero.com with an X, and you can either start a free 30-day trial or sign up to Zero's partner program to join their amazing community, forward-thinking accountants and bookkeepers. Hi, bookkeepers podcast. I'm Zoe Whitman. I'm here with Joe Wood, and today we're joined by Rachel Harris, the very one and only accountant she and co-founder of Strivex. Hi, Rachel. How are you? Hello. We were just saying I've just had to peel myself away from watching the chaos that is the budget to be here. So very excited. You catch me on like an adrenaline high. <laughs> Yeah. Do you know what? I think that's probably where people are going to be like, what should I be watching? <laughs> oh, how um, how's your day been then? I'm guessing like as someone who's very, um, well, very, very public on social media and out there, has that been a like really busy day for you in terms of like giving your take on things to your audience? Yes, absolutely. So Wednesday mornings are always my usual filming block. So I have two hours of filming. And then, yeah, we are always, always pushing. You guys see me a lot online, but I also do a lot offline with press, whether that is journalistic uh, sort of reporting on things like the budget, all the way through to TV appearances, giving guest expert sessions on things like the budget as well. So yeah, working with quite a few tabloids. I was telling Joe, we had a couple of really frantic emails at like half 12, just before it started saying, can you give us an extra comment? When are you free? So yeah, we'll go straight from this back into the, the press and the newspapers. <laughs> oh, thank you for giving us your time today. I know you're Always. super, super busy. Rachel, for those uh, in our audience that have never come across you before, do you want to give them a little bit of background about you, who you are and who you help? I would love to. So hi, everybody. Um, if you're new here, welcome. I'm so excited to be in your ears. If you're listening to this, walking the dog or just in the Facebook community watching us live. And so, hi, my name is Rachel. I'm a disruptor in the accounting industry. And so I'm disrupting what it means to be an accountant, what it feels like to have an accountant and what being an exceptional employer of accountants looks like as well. And so through doing that, I'm the founder of Accountant She, which is the online safe place and community that I needed at different points during my journey. And so I create completely free, accessible, consumable content for people who are business owners, accountants, people who want to change career and become an accountant. Um, and the priority there is just keeping it as, as completely free for as long as possible. And then I have the blue side of my life, which is Strivex, which uh, Strivex Accounting has just gone over a million pounds for the first time. So I've got Strivex Accounting, Strivex Mortgages, Strivex Consulting and Strivex Audit. Oh, oh my goodness. You, you're just a powerhouse, Rachel. And like we love, I think, you know, what you said about being a disruptor, that word disruptor, sounds like quite an aggressive term <laughs> you know we know you well well I feel like we know you well and I think that's probably <laughs> about social media as well isn't it you feel like you know people because you're working so hard on building this brand and helping to influence how you want people to perceive mm -hmm. you 
Um, but your approach is really nurturing and supportive. And, you know, so many of our values are aligned in terms of just helping people get into an industry that seems like it's only for certain people and yeah. certain roles are only for certain people and breaking all of that down. And um, I really respect everything that you're doing in the accounting space. So it's amazing. Thank you. Even on the word disrupt, so like I know you guys have got a session next week on how to introduce yourself in 60 seconds. And I always feel like that's one part of my role and, and even doing things like this that I never question or think about. And I'm sure you guys will cover it next week. But I was once at a networking event. The, I always thought that Disruptor was aggressive too, and I, I'd never used it. And I was at a networking event and a client was stood next to me. And I introduced myself and said, hi, my name's Rachel. I'm an accountant. And she like burst out laughing. It was like, no, you're not. You're, and, and she said, can I introduce you to the next person we speak to? And she said, this is Rachel. She's a disruptor. And I feel like especially as women in, in women in business, specifically like female business owners, I just would never have chosen that word for myself. But knowing that somebody else said it about me with such confidence gave me like the permission to use it, too. And so, yeah, if any of that intro made you think, oh, my gosh, then check into boot camp next week. <laughs> Oh, it's it's so powerful, and it, I really I really get that because we we always say that us three are very pink in a blue world. Yeah. You know, we are. You know, me and Zoe's me and Zoe's world of being in bookkeepers is much. You know, there's many more females that choose um, bookkeeping, but they choose bookkeeping because they sometimes feel that the blue world isn't accessible when they're trying to build it around whatever's thrown life is thrown at them at a certain point um, and it's really interesting and when we go to events and things like we are very very pink um and especially like there's tutus and there's there's like dresses and things like that that we you know we do kind of we are standing out but feel like more and more I don't know we're bringing more and more of our community and it's making it more of a safe space and we're able to talk like this and be like no we are we are changing an industry um we are disrupting it and it's and it's it's really cool and we always um and this is what you know from the outside looking in people will be like why you know in in the old days i would why are you talking to each other why are you sharing <laughs> whereas we're at accounting excellence being like, I can't hug you because my sequins, your sequins will get attached to my tutu. And <laughs> you like an air hug at this event. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's it. Oh, brilliant, brilliant. So today we invited you on because you have started Strivex Auditing, the auditing arm to Strivex Accountancy. And auditing for bookkeepers may be something that they've never come across before because they're they've not had a client that's needed it or you know their client base is a different kind of client base but when I started in the industry I my title was well I worked my way up to be an audit senior and I literally was I remember so like again breaking this breaking the stereotypical I remember walking into these offices I was 21 holding my big audit briefcase and someone looked at me and went, who are you? And I said, I'm the auditor. And I remember mm. saying it just like that, I'm the auditor. And they were like, you, you're the auditor. And I was like, yeah. And they went, oh, we was expecting an old man. And it, and at that point I was like, oh, I'm changing things around here. And I used to be there for weeks and weeks and weeks. I ended up going to like Hindus and weddings at these places that I was auditing because I'd be there for years and years. But these businesses weren't massive, massive businesses. They were good, they were, you know, but about... I don't know, million pound turnover. They weren't, you know, they weren't massive organizations. They were a standard local business back then. 
but the audit threshold has changed over time. It goes up and up and up, and and therefore the bookkeeper don't have as bookkeepers don't have as many um, touch points with co companies that need auditing. But if they do come across it, they need to understand what it is, the purpose of it. Um, and I'm really out of like I, I think the audit threshold. I'm sure it's about 250 grand at one point. I'm sure it was that when I when I I mean we're talking in the 1990s, so it was a long time ago, and so nearly. I mean, 50% of our client base were being audited. So hence, that's why it was my full-time job. So what, if, as a bookkeeper that's never heard of it, what is auditing? What's the purpose of it? And what are the kind of thresholds and things we need to know about a company that needs an auditor? Alrighty. So the main purpose of audit is, in a word, assurance. And so imagine you are a small business owner who has scaled super rapidly. Uh, you scaled really, really quickly from being a one-man band all the way through to maybe five, 10 years later, your turnover is exceeding 10 million, 10.2 million to be precise. So your turnover has randomly exceeded 10.2 million pounds. You have assets in excess of 5.1 million, which actually to turn over 10 isn't unreasonable. And you employ more than 50 people. And so in the UK, actually, you only need to meet two of those criteria to need an audit. And so I'd say for bookkeepers, your flag would be if your client hits one of those, bringing audit into that conversation, statutory audit would be a really, really good idea. But even within audit, and especially as we look at the accounting and bookkeeping community, because I feel like one of the things that us three get on so well sort of talking about is actually, it's one thing to go away and start Strivex Mortgages and Strivex Audit, but actually you don't have to. And one of the best ways that we can add value as advisors and service providers is to understand the requirements and just signpost where necessary. And that can increase your value proposition and your engagement with your clients hugely. And so for a statutory audit, two out of the three requirements, one is turnover, one is assets, and one is members of staff. And then the second side of the, the coin when it comes to audit is actually non-compliance audit, which I used to work in industry and we always had an elective audit. The turnover was only four million pounds, we had 100 members of staff and actually my role as finance manager grew and scaled very rapidly with the company. And so actually it was the owner of the company's sort of peace of mind and sanity check to actually get our work audited, to make sure that he wasn't an accountant, he'd hired me, what financial processes do we have in place? Where does the risk lie? And so I think for such a long time, audit has been viewed as something that people have to do. Whereas Rachel in Tutuland is appearing, talking about the value proposition and actually how business owners who have scaled rapidly need audits for more than just compliance. And it's much more about financial strategy, identifying risk. How can you get your money's worth out of this audit? Like audits aren't cheap if you're going to have to pay this amount of money to get an audit done. What outcome and what deliverables can you get over and above the audit? And so for most people, that is talking about things that bookkeepers and accountants talk about all of the time areas of risk, elements of the company that they might want to look at in the next 12 months and use their next audit as a check-in. And so we generally see audit broken down into the two categories, compliance and non-compliance, but it's becoming more and more common for people to elect to have an audit, again, just to maintain. Um, and again, depending on different industries, so with Strivex Mortgages, we're FCA regulated. And so even just depending on different regulations that you have in your business, you might also choose to be audited as well. That's really helpful. Thank you. And in terms of um, a client, this no, this is really interesting. Most people don't start businesses because they want to be uh, accountants and people. 
And like, we've got to remember that all the time. Like it comes naturally to us, but it doesn't come naturally to our clients. So this is just another of those reasons why it's so important to bring experts in and value the qualifications and the experience and life skills of the expert you're bringing in. And um, so we can have conversations with clients then. I'm just thinking about the average bookkeeper who might be listening to this podcast probably has, probably doesn't have too many clients at the 10 million turnover because they probably have an in-house finance team. But they might have businesses that are growing really rapidly where the leader, the leader of the business isn't a, a finance professional. And they, the conversations do come up, don't they? As you grow, are your systems still fit for purpose? There's going to be always, you know, something changes, something needs to move. Um, we can have conversations with our clients about, you know, maybe you might want to consider having this kind of audit. Can I just ask if um, if somebody is reaching those three criteria for actually needing an audit, is there a point at which it gets flagged to them just from a compliance point of view? Do they need to know? So should we as bookkeepers and accountants be advising our clients just so you know you're really close to this threshold or would they know that? So they get a piece of paper in the post that tells them. So for us as accountants, bookkeepers, <clears throat> we need to be letting them know. Again, in self-employed land, you'd think someone would tell you, but nobody does. Um, and again, normally with audit thresholds, actually, if somebody has temporarily gone over the audit threshold and come back down, it is something that we would need to see for more than one consecutive year. And so normally, again, when, when you're filing the accounts, your FRS 102s and 105s, like actually as, as you're growing and growing and growing, the list of disclosures is growing and growing. And so actually as accountants, we would just be flagging that you are. And again, you think of the accounting software and tax filing software. Actually, there's probably tax filing software that you can build in prompts to tell you when your client is approaching that fat threshold. Or again, if you are an accountant as well as a bookkeeper and you have working papers, actually just add something into your working papers to just have a disclosure checklist so that you know if if the turnover is in the millions which for me if i got if it, it, from the accountancy perspective i remember when we were at a point where like if we got a client that were in the millions they were going to be in the top you know 20 percent of our portfolio and so doesn't happen all, all of the time but then again a really new element and especially post-pandemic i feel like we are in a very much like r d grant innovate uk funding sort of boom at the moment and so that is a really good example of non-compliance audit. So very, very often Innovate UK is a really great example. When you get Innovate UK funding, you have to have an independent audit of the spend across that budget. And so we normally have between 17 and 20 non-compliant audits specifically relating to grant funding ongoing at any given time. And that's where working with someone who's done it before and that, like we can go to them and say, don't worry, we've got a process, we've got a template. This is what you have to do. This is how we remain compliant. We've worked with an Innovate UK for a really, really long time. And this is what that looks like. So it's probably more common that accountants and bookkeepers are getting referrals and recommendations for non-statutory audit. But I don't know if you guys have ever had it, but I sometimes get inquiries into the practice that I think, how, how have I got this inquiry? Either it is absolutely ginormous or just completely outside of my realm. And so a lot of the referrals that we get into the audit side of the business comes from other accountants who are just receiving inquiries that are way outside their normal scope of work. Either it's a friend of a friend or they've Googled the wrong thing. So it's worth saying that like 50% of our, our work that comes into the audit side is actually from other accountants. As well as I was chatting to Joe, we managed to agree. And again, as someone who's very pink, I'm also, I'm, I'm trying to like build and grow the muscle of being confident to ask for things and not be afraid of hearing no. 
So my New Year's resolution for 2023 was to collect as many no's as possible because actually if people are saying no to me, way more than that are saying yes to me. And I got introduced from somebody from KPMG last year as we were sort of building about building the audit pipeline. And they were talking about audit and I said, um, what do you do? What do you do with the audits that you don't say yes to? So lots of big four firms actually consider the fee too small to quote for if it's less than six figures. And I will take those breadcrumbs. And so I said, what do you do? What do you do with the with the work that you don't want to quote for? And they said, actually, as as a as a big, big four, we are KPI on offboarding as well as onboarding. So if somebody inquires and we can't serve them, we have to find places that they go to. Lots of people reach out to big four thinking that they need big four, but actually they want somebody with a bit of personality, someone who's very holistic and person centered. And so we have been working super closely with KPMG for the last 12 months to agree a pipeline of work. And so we now get lots of inquiries from people who inquire into KPMG, but are maybe too small to be serviced through KPMG. And then they come through to us as well. Good lessons, everyone who's listening to this. And, you know, oh my gosh, ask. Like, I know, I mean, how many times have you been to a networking group and there's another bookkeeper or an accountant in the room and you're thinking, oh, they're my competition. But actually, they are probably one of your, like the best partners that you can have because they're the people who, uh, as, lo as long as they understand what you do, and I guess you will probably, you know, you're very visible and it's very clear what you do. But like you say, you still get people inquiring who, have just found you probably because you're visible and everyone else isn't <laughs> so you know anything you can do to be raising your profile and um yeah asking asking for the work what do you do when it isn't for you you know i'm open to that idea that's amazing even that, like it just blew my mind that so strivex are the only non-kpmg alumni that kpmg refer to and it blew my mind obviously it wasn't as simple as me asking and then being like yeah sure we'll just fly leads over to you like there's a huge amount of like compliance red tape actually that sort of KPMG's name attached to what we're doing and so it obviously wasn't easy but it was just mind-blowing to me that nobody had approached KPMG and been like what do you do because you want clients to attach that positive experience with your name big four actually in a recruitment crisis at the moment I have an employee waiting list of auditors waiting to join my firm and so actually like it's just a jigsaw puzzle of work supply demand resources coming together in a really great way such a great lesson such a great lesson because i think this that's just pure thinking out of the box and just and like you never know what people are going to say yes to because like we have it so many times where we've had actually guests on the show and the guest has been like god i really need a bookkeeper actually after talking to you guys like geez i really need a bookkeeper and then afterwards i'll reach out to them and say how many bookkeepers actually like reached out to you afterwards and said Oh, I can help you. They're like, none. And I'm like, yeah. Because everyone assumes that everyone else is doing it. Everyone assumes that everyone else is like mopping up these breadcrumbs and that, oh, they'll be, they'll be, they're, but, but no one is. Everyone else is assuming like you are. Yeah. And it's so interesting that when you just actually put yourself out there and actually collect those no's, um, that actually you're going to collect some yeses along the way as well. And what an amazing, amazing opportunity. I, I'm, I'm going to geek out right now, Rachel. I want to know. Like when I used to do an audit, I used to have very set, I had loads of Leverage folders and loads of my uh, pads with the company name at the top and like, oh, I used to 
love filling those in. I might actually buy myself one just to fill it in because I just used to love it. And then I, I was very meticulous. I mean, God, the details, Zoe, who was this person that used to love this detail? I don't know where she's gone. Zoe's like, can we get her back? Yeah, where, where is she? Bring her back. Um, and I used to have these, and I used to have very specific questions. So you'd have like the fixed asset session, the current assets, um, debtors, creditors, whatever. And we'd have, each of those would have a page of these very specific questions that I'd have to answer and find out, you know, and I'd be doing some amazing, beautiful reconciliations and I'd be gathering data from over here and I'd be comparing it to that figure. And then I'd write my, you know, conclusion as to what I thought as the auditor. Oh, I mean, I did used to love it, but I didn't love, my problem was I didn't love the clients and this is the lesson. I didn't always like the people that I was doing it for, but actually the process I used to love um is how different I mean it was all so paper-based it was also like manual writing of the reports and everything I mean is there software these days do you tick is there tick boxes like how do you go about doing an audit these days oh juicy questions so <laughs> we um we're a completely cloud-based paperless practice um I am scared of paper cuts so just day one no, no no paper in the office uh we're completely paperless again audit now is two so loads of incredible software out you that re really helps you to stress test analyze ask questions do lots of sampling even things like verifying assets and things you can imagine the types of ai that's built into the software now as well and so yeah we're completely cloud-based as an auditor which again really helps to in sort of like when we're looking at things from a location perspective Actually, that gives us opportunities for employment as well. So if you're an auditor, actually, and you had a young family, auditing is hard sometimes. Like, you have to go and, and travel a lot, whereas actually, with my employer hat on, like, the incredible opportunities that we've been able to create through flexible working, but also actual, like, making sure that clients understand that we flexibly work all of the time. 80% of an audit can be done remotely with 20%, maybe one or two days on site. And that would be for a big audit, you know? And so we can do the, the majority of it, which then again, yeah. from, a, from a parenthood in practice perspective, just gives everybody so many more opportunities and probably existed when you were doing it. Well, and this is why I left because I was six months pregnant on a plane to Scotland yeah. to go and stand in a cold warehouse, actually counting the machinery. Yeah. And like I had my clipboard still wearing high heels and uh, <laughs> and I would have to go and look at the like physically go and audit the machinery and see what was there and then go and sit in a meeting room and interview the people yeah. but obviously there was no zoom and, and and it's what and I was I remember being on the flight home thinking I don't want to do this with the baby and it was the reason it just so I'm really happy to hear that things have changed and obviously there is going to be some you know, physical, like you have to, I mean, you have to see some things and you have like, to audit is literally, you know, I can see why you would need to. But like you say, a lot of it doesn't, 80% of it doesn't need to be done there. So that's, that's great to hear that that side of the industry has changed and that you're, you know, encouraging that because yeah. I'm sure there are still companies that will be sending their people out for weeks and months and sitting in a cold boardroom um, oh, the amount of basements and factory yeah. like makeshift offices I've sat in is um, is interesting. We used to put, I, I mean, I spent a lot of my career in local government and we used to put people in like the darkest, dingiest room. <laughs> so I completely, uh, yeah, I can picture the environment and it's really good to hear it isn't like that. 
Um, I, I have been audited as a somebody working in a like local government or a corporate environment, and I've had to put together those lever arch files uh, with all the dividers of the different sections and the printouts and things so people could go and do whatever they want to do with it, check values of assets and what whatnot. Um, what experience would our clients expect? So if we're working with a client and they're going to have an audit, which maybe they've elected to do or maybe they have to do it, um, how can we reassure them and how can we help them to get prepared for an audit? Audit. What's the sort of expectation? Love that. And <clears throat> so I used to work in practice that had audit. I then also worked in industry that was audited electively. And I think on both sides, there was always this perception of fear that being audited was, especially when it was elective, was like, <gasps> like he's doing it because he wants to fire me. Whereas actually like it is protection. And I think for me, I was so excited and Joe and I had this conversation offline even just about attracting the right clients from audit that actually doing what I do isn't just social media what I do is personal branding at the highest level and actually not only is that attracting small business owners it's attracting some of the biggest audit clients in the country that are choosing to work with us over working with big four with hundreds of years of experience and the reality is that the difference between cold corporate warehouse level audit where people are scared of the auditor so they put them in the cold place to get them to go as fast as possible actually is that nobody's ever sat down with the decision maker with the head of finance with the business owner and said what is your top priority what do you want to get out of this audit do you have heat spots do you have concerns do you want us to traffic like the financial processes within your business as we're going through because we're going to go through them all anyway like what can we get out of the audit and actually if i as the finance manager, finance director of a company that was being audited, actually had like a kickoff call with the auditor that was like, we have to do this compliance review in order to technically audit that the work that you've done is up to a certain standard, is compliance, has a certain sort of level of like risk and um, like write-off. But actually, what can we do to improve your day-to-day -day workflow? Like we're coming in at bird's eye view. What opportunities can that create for you? And so if you are a bookkeeper, if you're an accountant and one of your clients is being audited, like, please try and dissolve a bit of the fear that goes into it. Nobody's trying to pick up problems like actually the, these processes exist because it is so important for businesses of this size to be audited because mistakes do happen. Businesses scale very rapidly. Financial processes slip. Nobody's looking for blame. Actually, businesses like ours are looking for opportunity for not only you as the person that works in finance, but also the decision makers as well it's fascinating I haven't thought about this for such a long time and I'm loving that you know and I think I naturally did this because I wasn't the traditional auditor yeah. that people would request that I you know go back and things like that and hence why I became a senior auditor in practice when I was really young but I think I was naturally trying to put people's mind like it's only, yeah. it's only me I'm a, this is what I'm doing and also talking to them and saying um you know I, I found this out I'm going to the people I found this out what's you know what's the story yeah. here you know and then and then they'd explain go oh great that's fine and they're like oh god I thought I was gonna get in trouble for that <laughs> like they were like no 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 it's just we just need to have like answers and understand like this audit trial as such what's going on it's really it's so interesting and it's and thinking back to how I kind of was trained to be the baddie. Like yeah. they wanted 
they wanted me to go in with this. And I was like, God, that feels, can't I just go in and have a cup of tea and be nice to everybody? And they're like, and then how I was received, sometimes people would assume I was, you know, this horrible person. And I'd be like, I'm not. And then, so it's really interesting that naturally how um, I just couldn't be that perceived auditor back then, but how there was a name. And then, so, and then how people then go, well, this is how it's always done so this is like let's just copy what our you know predecessors did but actually like it, how much nicer is that what do you yeah. want to get out of this audit that is such an amazing question yeah. which was never mentioned um in previous um you know conversations i'd ever had which is which is fabulous and really really exciting and like actually with that new spin um again it's like a, it's advisory again mm -hmm. it's like literally and it all comes back full circle and, and yeah. by creating that environment and that environment where you can say to someone like do you have any questions most people will say to you what's the worst case scenario because that's what they're scared of right like am i gonna go to prison if you find something like and the reality is actually pe people just want to know worst case scenario in the same way that bookkeepers and accountants get people who say company's house is bright red mm. what can we do like how can you get me there i don't want someone to turn up at my doorstep like that's the same in order it's just different and so by building personal relationships, by we bring in core values to every single audit inquiry that we have. And we have had so much feedback into the fact that we win work because unlike any other auditor from the first email, we'll say one of our core values is to leave you better than I found you. And so would you like me to explain why you need an audit? Yeah, it's just processes, processes, core values, being a person, but, you know, yeah. bring us work that you know, big firms don't want so it's really interesting and I, I you know I've obviously got a very different sort of experience of audit as a corporate not even corporate like a a very re regulated tick in the box and yeah, sure. um and and actually like I've experienced being my salary and I know this is different if you're listening to this as a self-employed bookkeeper this is different but if you've worked in a finance finance manager role or something you might see where I'm going with this but I would be benchmarked against they don't find anything on the audit you know so yeah. I can that does instill like the fear and I think you being able to say and speak to people who are at the finance manager level or whatever and say look there's going to be something that comes up mm. this is what's going to happen if that comes up what we're going to do is we're going to help you understand what's best practice and help you to sort it out that then makes you think okay there's not going to be this like oh god you know the losing on trial yeah 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 and I think a lot of it comes down to even having really open conversations, because if you if you are very approachable and you're saying to someone, do you have questions? You can then also follow up with, do you have any concerns? Like what are the heat spots in the business? I've worked in businesses before where I want to abolish petty cash because I hate it. It's a risk area, it's always a risk area. And so I would say like, please audit petty cash because that will help you to prove a case at work that what I'm saying is right and we should get rid of it. And so it just gives people an opportunity to almost bring your own personal development into it as well. So if you are an accountant, a bookkeeper, employed self-employed you're having an audit actually there's huge personal development opportunities for you to have that sort of deep dive have that audit um but then again i'm not i'm not sure if you're the same zoe when i was when the business that i was the finance manager and director for got audited you had all this fear of failing like an audit failing or there being a disclosure note in the accounts and then when there wasn't like there's no party popper no, no one celebrated you for not doing it you were just like oh that's me done for another year I can just chill out and I'm doing all right or it's actually like why is nobody having a debrief call with the finance manager 
to say audit was absolutely fine. However, obviously there's things that you can do to improve. There are weak spots. There were areas that were closer to failing than not. Let's put together an audit improvement plan so that next year you're ready, we're ready. It's all great. I just, yeah, it's, it's, it, you both nodded so much. Like nobody ever had those conversations with me. It, yeah. you, you sort of went away and you were like, right, are we not coming back? Okay, okay we're fine. And yeah. nobody was having a debrief. And it's my work that you're investigating. Give me feedback. And no one ever was. And and I think even as the auditor, like it was a bit like, oh, did you find something juice? Like we were we yeah. were praised by finding something bad. And rather than uh, it's just I think the whole industry or well, we are changing this whole industry. And on that note, Rachel, with all of this in mind, what can bookkeepers learn from the auditing arm of your body that they can bring in to help their clients now that don't need an audit? And how can we bring some things in that, you know, like wow our clients by asking the questions that you're asking at the audit level yeah i love that i love that um and i I think actually what a lot of people who get to the audit point miss is being a small business and i know for us like having clients at both ends of the spectrum always helps us to stay very very in touch with you know got a budget update today who's that impacting where is it impacting the most and so very often actually by even just consuming content like this and picking up some of those questions or even saying to a client have you ever considered an internal audit maybe if someone's taken uh, a little bit of finance in-house or they're thinking about taking finance in-house um even not using that as a loss i've had clients take bookkeeping completely in-house and i use that as an opportunity to say do you need some help with recruitment? Who's going to train that person? I do everything at the moment. You don't do it yourself. So who's going to build the processes and procedures? You need to make sure you're filling that role, not finding a person, because that's a point of failure. That's a huge area of risk for you. And so we actually end up normally increasing our fee value when clients take things in-house rather than anything else. And so I guess even like we're about to go into a bootcamp week, just consuming all of the content and having that sort of list of questions and that bank in the back of your mind of questions for like different risk areas but risk is an area that very often we get inquiries where people don't know the difference between a financial advisor and an accountant like actually they probably don't know the difference between an accountant and an auditor and so very often they have very high expectations of the areas that we all cover and so even if you take one thing from today is actually now I have a place to refer if anybody does ask me a question that I don't know the answer to but also how can I bring those conversations about risk into day-to-day bookkeeping and compliance questions as well oh my gosh Rachel I feel like we could talk all afternoon about I'm like I'm like how do we train to be an auditor there's like another episode here but um I, I just I know you've got lots to get on with and I just want to say thank you so much for talking to us about this today on a very busy day oh um, yeah really it's so helpful in terms of the conversations that our community can be having with their clients so thank you so much now i know then so we now have a really great auditor in our community (laughs) so if you are having that kind of you know if that is coming up for you in your business obviously we would point you to rachel we know her very well so um how can people connect with you rachel and find out more about what you do of course i would absolutely love to see you guys wherever you consume content so i am everywhere facebook instagram TikTok, youtube and linkedin under at accountant underscore she i thought about incorporating audit her but i decided to keep it all under the same banner uh, so we are at accountant underscore she and i'd absolutely love to see you if you've got any follow-up questions if you just want to send me a voice note and give me some feedback on today but i'll also be 
taking part in all of the bootcamp sessions next week as a very keen listener and community member. I'm a hugely passionate uh, community member of the Six Figure Bookkeeper Club too. Oh, thanks, Rachel. Lovely to see you. Thank you so much. Thank you, guys. We look forward to seeing everyone next week for Bookkeepers Bootcamp. If you haven't registered yet, you can go to sixfigurebookkeeper.com slash bootcamp and uh, you can register there. We will see you next week. Thanks, everyone. Take care. Bye. Bye. Thanks for joining us for the Bookkeepers podcast. Why not join us in the Six Figure Bookkeepers Club at sixfigurebookkeeper.club or visit our website, sixfigurebookkeeper.com.